Well, I also really, really want to welcome you. I'm super excited that you're here. It's finally here, right? We so much planning, and especially if you're one of the ones who registered actually in May. I know we've had some switching around. Like, so, it, you know, that's, a, that's quite a few months to go to be planning, but it's such a blessing every year that we get to see everybody walk in the doors after all the planning and the praying and all of that. Like Nicole said, my name is Sharon, and I'm gonna get the privilege to teach you this weekend, and that's just a delight and a privilege. Um, for me. This is actually our seventh year of the Fall Bible Getaway, and um, if you study scripture, you might be aware that the seven, the number seven is like a year of completion. It's when like God does big things. So you're here for a good year, right? Um, for Fall Bible Getaway. We're excited about that. Who is here for the very first time? I know we have a lot of new people this year. We're so glad that you're here, and we're looking forward to getting to know you and spending the weekend with you. But who is coming back? You've been here before, quite a few of you. If you've been here before, can you just give like a shout out, because you know that God's gonna do some really good things. Can you do that? Yeah, woo, woo! Every single year, God surprises us with things that we just didn't see coming at all. And I've already, seen some of that. Our team has been here since Sunday. And so we've been here, we've been praying, we've been in your room praying, we've been, we've been over all of this house every night. We take a prayer tour, praying over different things, just preparing. And we have already seen God do some really sweet things. And we know that there is just really um, more to come. As a ministry, we love to see God working uh, at this retreat. And speaking of ministry, I want to just mention that Fall Bible Getaway is a part of Established Footsteps ministry. And many of you know about, we call it, EF. It's just an easy way to say it, Established Footsteps, but I know there are some new faces in the room, so I do want to take just a minute to introduce the ministry. Uh, established Footsteps began 14 years ago as a nonprofit to come alongside people and, in, in the body of Christ, amongst all denominations, just across the borders, um, and just really be that cheerleader to come along and say, love the Word of God, be in the Word of God, let the Word of God speak in your life. And so if you're just getting acquainted with us, we want to get acquainted with you too, and we hope over the weekend you're going to get a little bit familiar with what we do. But as a ministry, we count it a huge privilege and a huge responsibility to do that work. And we do it in a variety of ways. There's all kinds of things going on on our website. We'll share some more things with you over the weekend um, about that. But generally, what we try to do is just come alongside people and just cheer them on, encourage them to have a desire. You know, a lot of people just don't even have a desire for their Bibles. They're Christians, they love God, but they don't have a desire for the Word, or they don't know the Word, or maybe they weren't raised in church and they don't have a foundation of the Word. And so we are constantly looking for creative ways to just come alongside people and help them get in their Bibles and discover the delight and the treasure um, that it is. And I say this every year, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. We do a lot of different things in Established Footsteps, but this is my favorite. <laughs> and it absolutely is my favorite thing. I love the beach. I love God's Word. I love hanging out with women. So you put all those three things together and it's just a wonderful weekend. And I hope that it's going to be one of your favorite highlights of, of the year as well. Because I know this weekend that God is going to just love on us and minister to us and refresh us and heal us and transform us. We have been praying for miracles in this house this weekend. And we know that God is going, he's going to move. And one of the beautiful things that he's going to do 
besides just refresh us with himself and minister himself to us, is that he is going to build some new friendships in this place. And it's so beautiful to me as one of the leaders to watch that happen every year. You know, people come across the threshold of the door, they drive in, they don't know anybody. Some of you don't know anybody really here, you know? And you come in and it does feel awkward and it does, you know, all kinds of things are going through your mind. But over the weekend, God just knits hearts together in, in such a beautiful way. And so I just wanna encourage you to just kind of look around the room, just pause for a minute and look around the room because I'm pretty certain that there's somebody in this room that you have not even met yet that God is going to use to bless you in a deep way. And I'm pretty certain that you are going to be a blessing in that way to somebody else who has not had the privilege of meeting you either. So it's just some really, really special things are going to happen, you know, in, in that way. So we're looking forward. Um, we're definitely looking forward to that. And one of the things that also makes Fall Bible Getaway special is that we get to gather in this like amazing space. <laughs> I love it when people are new each year and they walk up and they go, wow, look at that. Um, kind of funny, I mean, it's kind of sad really, but this is our fifth year in this house. We were in this house for, I think it was three years. On the fourth year, we finally realized that's a cross. <laughs> we didn't even see that. Then you might have not even noticed that either, but that's a cross, a big cross right there in the middle. And we didn't even notice that, right? But so we're always discovering new things about this house, but it is a beautiful house. But you know what? One of the neat things this weekend is that God is going to share his house with us. And it really would make this house look like a little shack on the side of the road. The, the, amazing things that we're going to see about his house and i don't know if you've ever studied that before in the word of god you might have seen that as you've opened up the folders that we left on your um on your bed about his house that that's where we're going to be this weekend studying the father's house and um you know we're not going to get to explore every nook and cranny of his house by any means but we are definitely going to settle into some of that and hopefully as we do we're going to see um, that his house is really our house, where we can dwell. And you're gonna know that in your heart when you leave here on Sunday. You're gonna have this sense that even if somebody asks you where you live, like you might physically say your physical address, but in your heart, you're gonna be convinced that I dwell, I live in my father's house. So we're gonna spend just a few minutes before we eat dinner tonight to get this thought process going. And I want to invite you to think back to um, where you lived when you were first born. Okay, we wanna get this concept of home going. You know, when you were born, you weren't given an invitation to come to your new house, right? You really didn't get any say so in where you were gonna live. Um, maybe you were born into a family where your parents went to great lengths to make sure that your space, your nursery, whatever you know they wanted to call it, was exactly perfect. I know I have two children. Both my kids are grown now. One of my kids is here. This is my daughter here. I'm one of those mother-daughter people. This is Mackenzie. If you haven't met her yet, I'm thrilled to have her here. This is her third fall Bible getaway. Uh, but when, when she was going to be born, I mean, I was all about you know creating the nursery. I wanted to create this amazing space for her to be. 
But I know, you know, there's a lot of families that don't have the funds to do that or that's just, you know, not their gig. They don't really put a lot of time into that. Or even if you go to other cultures, you know, it's, it's very different in that way if you've gotten the chance to travel at all. But regardless of, you know, what it looks like, every baby is brought into some kind of space, right? I mean, even I think about my father-in-law. He's in his 80s now. When he was born, his parents were very, very poor. And he was a very teeny baby when he was born. And so when they brought him home from the hospital, there was no real space, you know, that they had been able to prepare for him. But they pulled a drawer out of the dresser and put some blankets in it, and that became his first home. And actually, when he was very, very small, he became deaf. And so most of his life, he grew up in a home for the deaf and blind. And so his concept of home would be very different than, you know, what mine would be or maybe what yours would be. But all of us come into some kind of space when we're born. And then we begin from that to develop what that concept of home is. It's definitely based on our memories, but it's not just like the physical four walls and what the kitchen looked like and what color the floor was. It's more than that, right? And, and we know that. It's your, it's your memories. It's you know the dynamics of the house, the smell of the house, the interactions of the house, all of those things and more. And it becomes how even in an emotional and you know mental way that we define home in our hearts. So I just want you, as we get started tonight with this whole weekend and thinking about the Father's house, think about what home was like for you when you were first born. And maybe you can't even remember back that far, right? But in your young years, your little years, what was home like? What did it feel like? Think for just a moment about that. I'd love to be able to kind of peel back, you know, um, your thoughts and be able to see into them. But and, and I know even with that, some of those thoughts for some of us are probably painful because maybe we didn't have a, a really great um, growing up situation and, um, and it's hard. But you know what? If you fast forward, even from those years, once we start to grow up a little bit from those younger, younger years, and what, what do most people do? They leave home in some way, right? They maybe, you know, move out and get an apartment or they go off to college or maybe they even leave in a sense of rebellion or maybe they even get kicked out, right? I mean, that, that does happen sometimes. But people leave home in various ways. And generally speaking, this is true, babies grow up and they grow up into teenagers who grow into adults. And from then on, one of two things usually happens. We either try to distance ourselves from home because we don't have good memories of home and we didn't like home or there's issues with that or we have a lot of nostalgic feelings about home and even though we've made our own home, we like to go back to home whenever we can. So it's no wonder though when you really think about it that we all try to leave home at some point because all of our stories has its echoes in a story that's way, way further back than each of our own stories. See, think back with me further than your own story. In fact, go all the way back to the beginning of time and you go back to Adam and Eve's story, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God had prepared. He did prepare, right? He prepared an amazing garden. He created them. He breathed the breath of life in them. He put them into this perfect home where his presence was there and it became their home and it was perfect. Perfect. 
and it was a place of beauty and it was a place of rest and the abundance of God but eventually we find they left and probably most of us already know the story but if I can recap it quickly for you the way they left happened this way they became what rebellious right they wanted to do their own thing they acted independently of God and so God basically had to kick them out of his house and we don't like to think of it like that but he had to banish them from the garden and tell them they were no longer welcome there he took their keys away they had no more access to home and if you track with me all through the centuries we find the same scenario happens over and over and over again every person who is ever born has a rebelliousness in us towards the presence of God he brings us into this world we grow up and what do we want we want to do life in our own way and build our own home our own life but if you also track with me through the centuries you will find that our Heavenly Father has continually been calling us back toward home and him now some respond yes they respond yes he holds out a key to them they take that key they pack their bags as soon as they can they move in with God and they want to dwell in him they want to feel at home in their father's presence other people they visit sometimes usually once a week right they'll come uh, their visit tends to be a little bit more formal they knock on the door they wait for him to answer they know they're welcome but it's not really where they live it's just a place that they visit some people come every now and then to the father's house um, usually maybe an annual celebration of some kind they might show up but some honestly just ignore his invitation altogether later tonight after dinner we're going to talk more about God's desire for us to be in his house we're going to talk about his invitation that he's been giving all through the centuries and that is also an invitation to us and we're going to talk about our response and then this weekend we're going to spend the rest of the weekend after tonight talking through what are the benefits of dwelling in God's house when we choose to dwell in him what are the benefits and I'll tell you there are some pretty amazing benefits it's going to be a really special time together there this weekend I want to talk to you for just a moment about the scripture that we're going to focus on some of you might have brought this up with you we um left this on your bed if you don't have it with you right now no worries but we do want to encourage you to bring this with you to all of our other bible study gathering times but one uh the scripture that we sent to you earlier um in an email we encourage you to read one of them was the whole of psalm 27 one of my favorite chapters in the bible and i hope you read the whole thing this weekend our focus is actually going to be just three verses from psalm 27 and it's verses four through six and in your folder right behind your welcome letter there is a copy of that passage and it's um, from the New American Standard Bible so probably we have a variety of versions of the Bible in the room and that's great um, I teach out of the New American Standard Bible and so I always like to give that because I will reference specific words so I just wanted you to know um, that that was there when you come to the Bible study gatherings you're gonna want to bring that folder because there's also some pages where you can take notes on the different gathering times if you want Bible study times um, 
and there's just a lot of things in that folder. You're gonna also want to definitely bring your Bible. And if you have, I hope you brought a hard copy of the Bible. I know a lot of people use it on their phones. If that's what you brought, that's fine too. But definitely bring your Bible and you're gonna also want to always bring this little journal, okay, it's got your name on it, and a pen. We encourage you to bring a pen. If you didn't bring a pen this weekend, just see one of us in these shirts and we'll make sure you have one before we um, before we get started. But I want to um, read for you these verses from Psalm 27. David actually wrote these verses when he was in the middle of a big struggle um, in his life. And in the middle of this Psalm, this is what he wrote in verses four through six. He said, one thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple for in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tent he will hide me he will lift me up on a rock and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy I will sing yes I will sing praises to the Lord Ladies, there is so, so much right here in these little three verses, and we are going to spend time in them all weekend. I'm so looking forward to studying them together with you. In just a moment, we're going to have dinner, uh, but before we head over to the tables, I want to give us um, some directions for some of the conversations that we're going to encourage while we eat dinner together. Um, earlier tonight, and as we were gathered just a moment ago, I asked you to think about your home and what that was like. And as you gather around the tables for dinner, we're gonna encourage you to maybe share some of the thoughts with those around you closest at the table. And I'll, I'll explain how that's gonna work. So there's obviously a large group of women here, right? I think there's 35 of us. But for dinner, we are gonna gather you with just a handful of people in your little section of um, the table, we call these your dinner friends, okay? So that you can have some more intimate conversation. So each night, and you might have already noticed that we had your name placed at a, at a place, and you might have gone, oh, but I wanna sit next to my roommate, or I wanna sit next to my friend, and maybe you were tempted to move those around. We really encourage you not to do that, okay? Because we specifically mixed you up, because you're gonna to get to know everybody here, and sometimes we just need a little nudge to do that, right? Because we wouldn't necessarily do that on our own. And I know it might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I promise you, after you get started, you'll be so glad um, that we did this, because it really does create a sense of family um, in, in the house. But right now, what we're gonna do, and it might be a little wonky just because there's a lot of us and we've got stuff and all of that. But we're going to transition to the tables. And I'm going to ask you, just leave your stuff right here at your place after we eat, before the other gathering time. Um, you know, if you want to get your drink refilled or whatever, you can do all that. But just for now, just leave your Bible, your stuff, um, and go and find your name. And just don't sit down at the place, though. Go ahead and just stand up behind your place. So if you're already sitting at your place, you can just kind of set your books off to the side and then stand up behind your chair or your bench, okay?
hopefully you've all found your seats for dinner. And by the way, that's going to switch nightly, okay? So you won't be in the same place each night. And we're not going to do this for breakfast or lunch. It's just for dinner. So breakfast and lunch, you can sit with you know, people that you know and make your own choices. If you don't like us making that choice for you, just let us do it once a day, all right? But you might notice that right there at your place, can you find, has everybody got their place? Okay. You might notice that right there at your place, we have communion elements for you at the table. So you might have noticed that. Um, you know, we want to start the weekend off in a way that would be served probably in the Father's house. And that would be uh, with communion. Um, those of you who know me, you might know that over the last year and a half, I've really just gotten into a practice of taking communion on a daily basis. And it's really been a new journey for me and just something God's really been doing. It's, it's really been life-changing. But, you know, in Scripture, God uh, encourages us and he invites us to take communion often as we'd like. And we'll talk about that some more this weekend. But he knew how powerful taking the bread and taking uh, the juice that represents his son's body and blood would be for us. And it all represents, you know, the um, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so if you can even just think right now, it's kind of like God inviting you to his table and serving you the best meal he ever could. And that would be Jesus himself. He wants to nourish our spirits with Jesus as we get started this weekend. Now, I know for some of us, you know, you might not have ever taken communion outside of a church service or, um, you know, in a worship gathering. And so this might be very new for you, but I, I do encourage you um, to join in. But we certainly aren't going to force anyone to do that. That's your choice. But I would encourage you. It is God's pleasure for you to do that. The Bible actually says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when we proclaim his death, what we're doing is proclaiming his death so that we don't have to live in death. We get to live in life. And this weekend, God wants us to experience his life. So we just thought it appropriate to begin that way. You'll notice over here at a little table, there's a communion table there set up. And that's going to be available all weekend long. So if you would like to take communion at any time, maybe with your Bible study in the morning when you do that, or in the afternoon during your preaching, whenever you want, it's available for you to do that. So we just wanted you um, to know that as well. So I just want to encourage you to just bow your head for a moment. Thank the Lord for getting you here. Thank the Lord for Christ's sacrifice that made a way for you to be here, to be in his house, to know life, to have the promise and hope of life, not just for eternity, but even for now in this life. And I invite you to take the bread, the little cracker, and to also take of the juice And just take a moment and thank the Lord and ask that his gospel would minister to you and through you all weekend long. Father, we do thank you that you brought us here, that you got us all here safely, Lord. What a year this has been, God. 
And what a privilege and a joy to be in your house. And God, we want this house this weekend, this fellowship in this house to represent your house, God. And so, Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus that made a way for us to be here, that made a way for us to know life and to not have to live in death. And we pray that you would minister your gospel to us all weekend long by your mercy, God, by your grace. We ask that you would just bless our time together in rich, rich ways, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just revisit quickly the idea of the dinner friends. So if you glance down at your name tag, you'll notice that it's taped to your napkin with a kind of tape. Now all of you girls over here, you're all got the same one, okay? You're at a table. But for you guys at the table, there's three sections at each table. You'll notice here the tape is gold. And then right in the middle, the tape has a key on it. And then right over here, the tape is gold and it has writing on it. So whoever has the same kind of tape you have, then that's your little group that you're going to share with, okay? Now, who has on your name tag also a big key laying at your name tag? Raise your hand really high. Okay, that means that you get the special privilege of being the dinner friend leader at your table, okay? So, and that's not something you're going to have to do every night. Others are going to get to be the dinner friend leader too, okay? But there are some questions on a tag, and what you're going to do is once everybody, your dinner friends, everybody's back at the table with their food, you want to just take charge to start the conversation and direct it, okay? Um, because as women, don't you know, we can just talk about which those are nice things, but we want to really make sure that we have some focused conversation and allow the Lord to just begin ministering and, and knitting our hearts together. So as the Dinner Friends leader, your goal is to get that conversation and then keep everybody on track, which is not always an easy thing to do. All right. And also make sure everyone has a turn to share, including yourself. Okay, it's a little more challenging at this table because there's a lot of you, okay? But I know Amy, she's one of my good friends and she can do that very well, okay? So I'm gonna turn it over to Nicole and she's gonna give us some basic logistical directions for getting our dinner and uh, pray for our dinner and we're gonna have dinner. So great, awesome. Oh, yay, Greece. 